Welcome to the Connect Community Podcast, recorded live in Stamford, Connecticut. We're so glad to have you with us today. If you're ever in our area, come see us in person. We hope today's message inspires you and helps you live better. Everybody's good this morning? Listen, uh, I don't know who he was talking about. Um, Sure, it's me, the untainted one. Um, Wow, can I just start with, look, the church of God is amazing, it's wonderful, um, and it's beautiful, and just being here with you all and worshiping with you all, also your band had me jamming over there, like, like I lost it for a minute, and then I was like, Darius, get it together, you're in church, you're in church, but church is beautiful, and it was beautiful just standing here with you this morning and just worshiping um, the God of all creation and I look across the room, and I'm like, what a beautifully diverse room. What a beautiful church. Look at what God has brought together here. And for me, uh, it just brings my heart so much joy because I can only imagine these good things that God has in store for us all down the road, not just individually, but collectively as a body, as a church, to really bring about what it is that God desires. Can I just tell you? Can I get excited about this? God has some big things in store for your life. And so there's some things that I think we got to do because it's pretty big stuff. It's pretty big stuff. So can you just get excited? Let your hearts get full. Let yourselves get your hopes up, okay? Because I think sometimes, like, in the world, like, listen, we just got through COVID. What am I allowed to say, J.D.? Like, what, like, what words can I not say? I, can, I, can I say COVID sucked? Can I say that? COVID sucked! And God brought us through it, and he's got so many great things in store for us. And so I'm just saying, like, let's get our hopes up. Let's not let the past rob our hope. Let's not let it rob our joy. Let's not let it rob our excitement. Let's be excited for what good things God wants to do in our lives through this beautiful thing that he has called church. So listen, can I just honor your pastors for just a second? J.D. and Alini, these are some of... My best friends, these are the finest people that you will ever meet. If you have not met them already, they would love to meet you outside in the lobby. They're going to give you all of their time after service today because that's just the kind of people that they are. But when I tell you um, there's there's nothing like a friend, the Bible speaks to what Jesus is like as a friend. In fact, it says that that, there's a type of friend that sticks closer than a brother. And that's been J.D. for me. And so, um, so many moments in my life where J.D. has helped to shape the things that I believe that God's called me to do and the things that he's called my family to do and the way that Alini has spoken into my life and Sarah's life, my wife. Um, it is just, let me just tell you, don't go any period of time without people that can come alongside you and that can walk with you and that can affirm the things that God is saying to you in those like private spaces because those are the things that you're going to need to be able to carry and manage the weight of what God is calling you to do. So let me just say this. These are the greatest pastors that I know and if you could just love on them just real quick with your show of appreciation and applause and your hoops and your hollers. Yes, they're the best just such an anointed couple and they are really called they're called to do relationship in 
in this thing that we call church. And so I'm really grateful for them. And I'm grateful that churches like this exist. You are a part of something really special. Uh, let me do this as well. Let me just honor my family real quick. I Listen, I told you the last time that I was here, I told you that I would like have my wife with me at some point. Well, this is that point. We're here now. And there she is over there. Sarah, could you just wave and tell everybody hello? And we brought our beautiful kids, Brayden and Charlie, and uh, we love them too sometimes. And so, I'm sorry, we love them too. And uh, we're having such a great time. What I love is just the way that our kids like just immediately connected, like on site. It was like they saw each other and it was like, hey, let's go break stuff. And they did. And it was wonderful. And I'm sorry, I'll, I'll take care of that stuff later. Um, gosh. I have so much to say, and I've got, I'm so glad that I've got so much time to say it. We'll get out of here by about 4.30, no problem. Um, no, I've, I've got so many things to say to you this morning, and honestly, I think this morning the thing that I want to do is I just want to, I'm kind of a bit of an encourager. That's kind of what I do. It's, I'm, I'm a relationship person. I'm an encourager. I love people. I'm always bringing people in. Sometimes I have a hard time saying no. Don't ask me for stuff after this, please. Please, Sarah, you got my back. You got my back. She's got my back. Um, I just want to encourage you this morning. I want to encourage you this morning because I think, as I was saying before, God's calling us to do some really great things, big things, things that we might have a hard time fathoming or imagining. He's really calling us to that stuff. And I think sometimes we look at ourselves and everything that we're not, and we have a hard time believing that we can do these great things that he's asking from us or of us. And I just want to encourage you because I don't want those things that you see or that you hear God speaking to you to, 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 to burden you. Because sometimes I think they can. And so I just want to encourage you this morning. And I'm going to speak to you from the topic of, of faith. And, you know, we're going to talk about some things. But here's the deal. Life happens. Stuff happens. And the reality is, based on the weight of your call, you got to keep on keeping on. And that's the title of my message this morning. We're going to keep on keeping on. But there's some stuff I want you to know about that. But before we jump into it, let me do this. Let me pray. I'll read a scripture. And then we're going to dive into this thing and four or five hours later, we'll be done. <laughs> Heavenly Father, thank you for this time that we have together. God, we love you so much. I thank you for your church. Thank you for the beauty of your church. God, thank you for pastors J.D. and Alini who are so wonderful and who are doing your will, Lord God. I thank you that you would just bless them for everything that they sow into this, into this ministry, into your kingdom, God. I thank you that you would return it to them a hundredfold. Heavenly Father, I thank you for every tear. I thank you for it. Um, every burden, God. I thank you for everything that, that we feel. I thank you, God, that you'll redeem those things for a much greater glory and a much higher reward. God, thank you for the teams that help to make this thing happen, Lord. God, we just bless them in the name of Jesus. And God, as we get into your word this morning and what it is that you have for us, I just ask in the name of Jesus that you would let what seed is sown here today fall on good soil. So even now, as I pray, God, make the soil of the hearts good. Heavenly Father, I ask in the name of Jesus that it would bring a return, Lord God. Not just 30, not just 60, but 100 times, Lord. We love you, Heavenly Father. We bless your name. Be with us today. You say all the stuff. If I got to shut up, just tell me. I'll do that too. That's a lot easier. But we love you. We bless your name. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Okay, so listen, if you've got your, your Bibles, uh, for me, I don't care what anybody says now, okay? These, these phones, these count as Bibles now. So I'm just saying, if you've got your phones, 
just take those out and, and pull your Bible up on it. Here's where we're going. John chapter 14. We're going to go to John chapter 14. Kind of strange verse for me this morning. But John chapter 14, verse 8 through 14. Here's what it says. Actually, I'll wait for you to get there. Let me know when you're there. So I got one person in the room who's there. Are we good? Here we go. Here we go. John 14. Eight verses, or eight through 14. Here's what it says. It says, Philip said, we don't hear a lot about Philip, J.D., like, not a lot at all. I wonder what he was like. It says this, Philip said, Lord, show us the Father, and that will be enough for us, right? And so Jesus answers him, and he says, don't you know me, Philip? Don't you know me even after I have been among you such a long time? Anybody who's seen the Father... Anybody who's seen me has seen the Father. And so how can you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe that I'm in the Father and the Father is in me? The words I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority. Rather, it's the Father who's living in me who's doing his work. Believe me when I say that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or at least believe on the evidence of the works themselves. Here's what it says. Very truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I've been doing, and they'll do even greater works than these because I'm going to the Father. But he says this, I will do whatever you ask in my name. For me, that's a heavy verse because it's like, hey, hold on, Jesus. You've been out here, you've been turning water into wine. That's not even like, like I, I can't remember the last time I saw anybody do that. You've been walking on water. Try that sometime. I try it every summer. Never works. You've been healing people who were sick. Those that couldn't walk, they walk now. And those who couldn't see, they see now. You've been doing all this. Jesus, you raised a dead person and brought him back to life. What are we saying? You're, are we going to do greater things? than What's greater than that? Yo, that's so heavy. And this verse, like when it hits you, you're like, wait a second. I'm supposed to do greater things? What kind of faith does it take to do greater works than what Jesus has done in this word? That's big faith. That's a tall order. That's a big task. And so that's where I'm coming from today. And I'm going to tell you this. You're going to need great faith to do those greater works. And so let's get our faith up and let's see what it takes to do that. Before we do that, let me just do this. Can I just go back to just some honor real quick? My wife's over there. Can we just say hello one more time? Just you can just cheer for her. She's wonderful. I. She is the greater work between the two of us. And here's the thing. My wife is amazing. She is bold and she is beautiful and she is gracious and she's the most nurturing woman of all time. And I love it. She is such a blessing to me. And because I have the microphone and she doesn't, we're going to have some fun facts about Sarah. <laughs> Can I just tell you, it's so interesting how like grace, grace works. It's so, it's, so, it's so funny. But Sarah's amazing. But I'm going to give you like the thing about Sarah that like you wouldn't normally expect like when you look at her you're like oh my god she's so cute she's so chic she's so dainty listen don't be fooled okay 
Don't be fooled. Let me tell you something. Sarah, fun fact number one. Here's the thing about Sarah that I love. Sarah is a smack talker. I'm just going to say it in front of everybody. So I'm just going to let them know. Sarah talks a ton of smack. If you are playing a game and Sarah's not on your team, I'm sorry. It's going to get rough, okay? She is the greatest smack talker alive. And I think my son is going to take the mantle because he is. My son told me the other day, like we were doing something, and he like looked at me. He walked up and he puffed his chest up. He said, hey, dad. Yeah, I'm him. Now, I, I was like, Who's, who, who, who is he? He's like, that guy. I'm him. And I'm like, we haven't even started what we're doing. And you're already like, this is from Sarah's influence. That's fun fact number one. Fun fact number two, and it leads to number two, is this. Sarah actually hates to lose. She is wildly competitive. And I didn't know this until, like, we were dating and, you know, we were, you know, doing stuff that all couples do when they date. We were playing video games. And... This is a wonderful game. It's called Mario Kart. It's amazing. Most of you are too too most of you are too young to remember this game. But Mario Kart, we were playing Mario Kart one day and it was wonderful. I was smashing her. It was absolutely amazing because I was cheating. You know, you can like yeah, so what? You can like you can you can you can like you know, like jump the whole level and end up two laps ahead of the other person, which I was because I'm so good. And as I was beating her, I happened to look over and the, the way her face had contorted at the time, it, I, it was anger. And, and I was like, Sarah, if you were good, you'd know the cheat codes too. And you'd also be doing what I'm doing. I can't help you. And what happened was out of this competitive nature, it was like a split second and by the t like I was looking at her but by the time I'd look back over to the screen it was black and I was like what happened and she had turned the game off because she had decided I'm not losing to you I'm too competitive to lose and yeah that yeah yeah a lot of nerve a lot of nerve she didn't care which leads me to the Third fun fact about Sarah that I love, Sarah's absolutely fearless because in that moment, she could not have cared less about what was going to happen or the fact that one day I'd be standing up here with a microphone, she didn't have one, and telling everyone about her competitiveness. But she's fearless. Sarah has no fear, and I love that about Sarah. I admire it so much. It's one of the things that I think I need to learn from her. I think sometimes it's one of the things that we all need to learn, kind of that fearlessness, that, 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 that gall, that audacity. And here's what I'm trying to say. Sarah is a person, and I'm going to use a word that you, maybe you have heard it, maybe you haven't heard it. Sarah's a person who's got a little bit of chutzpah, if you know what I'm saying. I even think I said that right. Like, I put the ch in it. She's got chutzpah. In other words, here's what I'm saying. If you haven't heard the word before, here's what I'm saying. I'm saying Sarah's got some, she's got, there's a faith about Sarah. There's a belief that she has. A, well, why shouldn't I kind of an attitude? It's that kind of never say die, never take no for an answer kind of an attitude. And I love it. That's who she is. And here's the thing. Chutzpah's a type of faith, actually whether you realize it or not. It's, 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 
It's when you can say what you want to say without really worrying about hurting somebody else's feelings. Or saying what you want to say without, without, without thinking that you're going to look silly or, 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 or fearing that you're going to get in trouble. In fact, that whole, that whole style of faith, it's, it's that friend that you have that you know when you take them around your other friends that they don't know, you're always a little nervous. They might say something that's going to embarrass you. Like, you kind of pucker up a little bit. You know what I'm saying? Like, you're afraid. Oh, my gosh, I hope they don't say anything stupid. Because they don't care. They're fearless. Why not? Why shouldn't I? I'm going to do it. Where's my stuff, right? And I love it. I love it because people with hoods get what they ask for. People with that kind of faith get what they ask for. People with that level of audacity get what they ask for. And so it really reminds me of like some things in the Bible where Jesus says some stuff where he's like really amazed. You want to know the few times in the Bible that Jesus is amazed? It's with people that have that kind of audacity with what God has promised. It's people that have that kind of audacity whenever God says, hey, I want you to do this thing. It's like they were ready before he asked. They're like, let's go. They're taking off their jacket. They're taking their earrings out and they're ready to go. And Jesus marvels at this. I mean, think about it. The woman with the issue of blood. I don't know what you know about that particular period of time in history, but listen, if you had an issue of blood, you weren't supposed to be around people. You weren't supposed to be touching people, and here she is. I don't care about what any of y'all say or think. I'm going to get to Jesus. Why shouldn't I get there? I want healing. Why shouldn't I be healed? God made me. And I belong to him, so I deserve the best. And she pushes her way through that crowd. She's touching everybody. She doesn't care who's becoming unclean because she's touching them. She's going to get to Jesus. And he's marveling at her faith. He says, never have I seen such great faith in Israel. You're healed. Chutzpah is that, that Roman centurion that we hear. What even is that? I don't even know. it. Can we just, let's just call him a general. Okay, this is like a guy, and can I just say this? You know, let's be honest. We got, it's snowing. Let's be, I'm sorry. That was, that was a super ADHD moment for me. I apologize. Um, this guy is a, is, a, is a general in an army that ain't really for these people. And yet he's coming to these people for help. And when he says, hey, Jesus, I need you to help me with this deal over here. I got somebody I know. He's sick. I want him to be healed. Jesus like, ah, you know, hey, uh, you know. And at some point in the conversation, the guy says, no, 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 Jesus, you don't understand. I know how authority works. I get how this thing works. I don't need you to come over here. I don't need you to, I don't need you to come over. Just say what you got to say. He's going to be good. That's how this thing works. That's how authority works. I get who you are. And here, here it is again. Jesus is amazed at this guy's audacity. He's like, hey, you got it. He's healed. Do you know what, do you know what that, 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 that audacious, audacious faith really is? That audacious faith is the, 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 
I, I hate it's you know sometimes I wish that my Bible wouldn't be so Bible-y you know what I'm saying like the 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 Syrio-Phoenician one. what is that I don't know anything about geography I like sports I don't know what that means I like football not the World Cup kind I'm sorry but I do like the World Cup I do like the World Cup I do like the World Cup I'm rooting for Argentina Messi all right let's go hey hey we got we got we got friends we've got friends who i'm sorry i'm sorry i'm sorry so this woman who again she has nothing to do with these people she's not a part of this people group they're a little bit isolated from this people group and yet here it is she's she's heard about jesus he does miracles he can heal jesus i need you to come heal my daughter he says i'm so sorry like i'm only i'm really only for these people this is the job that I've been given to do. I got to do this job. You can't, you can't give things, you can't give the things that belong to these folks to folks that it doesn't belong to. That's just not right. That's actually what it means when he says that thing that we all get so like uptight about when he says you can't give, you can't give the dogs food. You can't give the, the people's food to dogs. Ah, he wasn't really calling her a dog. What he was saying is, Hey, you, you, you have to operate in like levels of like appropriateness. And you can't give to these people that this has been for to people that it's not for. It's not time yet. And what she says to him because of her audacious faith is, yo, 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 no, 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 no. Actually, even those little dogs get the bread that falls from the table so in fact Jesus it's kind of for me like she actually wants what she wants so bad because she understands who God is and who she is and she gets where those two things meet so she's got the audacity to ask anyway and he says whoa that's faith and this is the kind of faith that we need, especially in the world that we live in today. We need this kind of faith. And more times than not, this kind of faith is usually the product of a good relationship, a relationship with God. And I think the problem that so many of us face is just the fact that, man, a lot of times I think we're just ill-informed. We just don't have, like, the information that we really need. We don't necessarily know who God is or who we are or where those two things meet. And sometimes when that's the case, we kind of keep on doing some things that we ought not do. We keep on asking about things that maybe we ought not ask for or because of the fact that we've run into circumstances in our lives that haven't been so good, we throttle back our ask and we don't ask at all, which is incredibly problematic but here's what chutzpah actually is here's what the audacious faith i'm talking about this morning really is it's the keep on when jesus says ask and keep on asking seek and keep on seeking knock and keep on knocking Jesus wants us to be audacious in our faith. He wants us to have that, that, that the gall to ask him to do something great in our lives. He doesn't want us to be timid. 
And he certainly doesn't want us to be ignorant in what we're asking for. And I think if we're going to have that kind of faith, if we're going to be that audacious about our ask, then what we have to do is we actually got to know God pretty good. And we got to know who we are and what we're supposed to do pretty good. And you would be surprised at how many people aren't that specific about who they are themselves. And here it is. God made you. He fashioned you uniquely. He crafted you. He knew you before you were even in your mother's womb. And he ordained a really great future for you. And if you'll take the time to know him, you would be amazed at what you would begin to learn about you. You would be amazed at where those two roads meet and what it calls you to do. And if you knew that, then you would ask for a lot bigger things than what you've been asking for right now. Some of us are in the room, and really the problem is that we've been settling. We've been settling for things that are less than what God wants for us because, because maybe we don't think that we're good enough. Maybe we, are, we know what we did last year. We know what we did last night. We know what we did, you know, last week. And we think, oh, no, that discredits us. But here it is. God knew you before all of that. He knew what you would do, what sins you would commit, what things you would do to hurt his heart. And he said, hey, I actually still want to sacrifice my life for you. Don't tell me you're not worthy. You are. This isn't an issue of worthiness. This isn't an issue of holiness. This is just an issue of relationship. That's all it is. It's an issue of relationship. I think the good news today is that God is actually what we call a good father. And I can think of a couple of ways to help us increase our confidence and maybe even bolster our faith so that we can start asking for a lot bigger from God. Here's the thing. I got maybe a couple of thoughts I don't know, like, you know, maybe one or two thoughts. I'll share them with you. And then, you know, we'll bring this thing to a close. And I'll let you have the Holy Spirit deal with you and what things that you need to be doing. Here's the first thing that I think that we really need to do in terms of getting our faith to this place where it's audacious and we get those things that we desire from God. The first thing is we got to get acquainted with God. You got to get acquainted with God and you got to get acquainted with him as a father. We got to get acquainted with God as a father. Here's what it says in Matthew chapter 7 verse 11. It says, "If you then being evil know how to give good gifts, how much more does your father in heaven give good things to those who ask him?" If you are evil, how much more and you can give good gifts. That's cool. And here's God who's not evil at all. He's the epitome of good. I love it. Somebody said, hey, Jesus, you're such a good teacher. Tell me. And Jesus is like, I, I, stop. What do you know about what good is? There's one good thing, and that's God. Outside of that, what else is really good? I like that because what that does is it, it, it unevens the playing field. And it tells us how great God really is. And I love that God is who's good. And God is saying, here's the deal. You guys, you're not that good. You're really not that good. But you do give good gifts. You guys got, you, there's, some, there's, some, there's some bright moments in your lives. And as, as interesting as that is, how much more interesting is it that I actually am good? All things that are good come from me. And the gifts that I give you are even better. 
Do you know God is a good father? I think the reason that we don't know God is a good father sometimes is because, honestly, I think fatherhood is kind of under attack right now in a number of different ways. Because fathers are either just not present, fathers being absent, fathers being apathetic, and, and we see it oftentimes. What's really interesting is that you could actually have a father who's present, but that present father's not present because he's still working. He's on his laptop or he's on his phone, and it just feels like there's no connection. And honestly, I think there's so many things that we run after to try to figure out how to get the things that really the good father wants to get to us that we, uh, we abandon our responsibilities. And even outside of fatherhood, maybe it's just any relationship. But at the end of the day, I'm saying fatherhood, it really is, in a, in a sense, it's kind of under attack. And so we can't perceive what a good father is like. I kind of love it because what, here's what I'm reminded of. You know, I don't know. Do, you guys remember that Old Spice commercial with the guy? Like with the guy, he's like, yeah, yeah, who said it? Who said it? Yeah, yeah, he said, look at your man. Now look at me. Look back at your man. Now look at me. Your man's not me. But he could smell like me. And then he goes, look down. Back up again. Where are you? You're on a boat with a man your man could smell like. This is such a great commercial. What's that in your hand? Look back at me. Oh, I have it. It's an oyster with two tickets to that thing you love. Look down. The tickets are now diamonds. Anything's possible <laughs> when your man smells like Old Spice and not a lady. What's really funny to me is I think that's what this verse is actually telling us. <laughs> God is like, here, okay, wait, hold on, hold on. Look at your daddy. Now look at me. Okay, look back at your daddy. Now look back at me. Now your daddy's not me, but you know what? If he spends just enough time with me, he could be like me. If he could just find me in the stillness and in the quiet, he could smell like me. He could. And God says, hey, hey, look down. Look back at me. Where are you? You're standing in the fulfillment of my promise because you've spent time getting to know me, because you prioritized the words that I had for you. You actually took the time to go and to walk them out. You didn't just let them be words on a page. You didn't just let it be a moment or a feeling in a service. You actually took the time to go back and to reflect on those words and to figure out how you would place one foot in front of you and then the next foot in front of you, applying the things that I said. What's in your hand? That's your miracle. The thing that you've been, been believing me for. Because in spite of the way it looked, you kept walking and applying my truth and living in the purpose that I have for you. Can I just tell you anything is possible when you put your trust in me and not in yourself. I am a good father. I'm a present father. 
too distant from you. Just spend time with me. You'll know that you can ask me for anything. In fact, ask me in the name of Jesus, my son. I'll do it for you. I'll do it for you. Here's the second thing. The second thing I think is that we've got to get acquainted with Jesus as the model. Here's what he says in John chapter 14, 12 and 14. This is what he says. He says, very truly I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I've been doing and they'll do even greater works than these because I'm going to my father and I'll do whatever you ask in my name so that the father may be glorified in the son. You can ask me for anything in my name and I will do it. Here's what really stands out to me here. He says, if you believe in me, then you will do the works. My question to you, how familiar are you with where Jesus is? And are you there with him? Where is it that we see Jesus do the things that he does best? Where is it that we see Jesus speaking to the people that need to hear him most? Where is it that we see Jesus interrupting the lives of people that so desperately need his presence? Where do we see that? We see it in the Gospels. Can I just give you a really practical encouragement? If you want to see what it's like to live like the model, to live like Jesus, can I just encourage you? Spend time in the Gospels. What's that? That's Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. These are these spaces that we have where Jesus is actually present among us and doing things that we also can do. This is what we have there. He's teaching. Are you helping to instruct the people that are in your world? Are you, helping them to are you helping to instruct them and pulling from those principles that you see found in the words of Jesus? Because you can. It talks about preaching. I think people get like really weirded out about this idea of preaching because Jesus preached in the Gospels too. People get super weirded out, but you know what? Preaching's really simple. I mean, it's not, but it is. Because all it is is being excited about something and saying it, proclaiming it. You don't need a platform to preach. You don't need a microphone to be excited. You don't need an influence to tell somebody good news. That God's presence is with us and that we're going to be okay. That God is going to provide for the things that we don't have right now. You don't need anything to do that other than to see the model, and that's it. What is that? What else does he do? He heals. Do you want to know something? I think it's really interesting because we like we take the healing thing. It's like okay, um, I'm gonna just lay hands on this person, and I'm just gonna believe that something miraculous is gonna happen. And you want to know what? In some cases, that does. But do you understand that when you take the time to hear out somebody with a problem, you know what you're doing in that moment is you're actually providing a source of healing. When you take the time to speak a kind word, do you understand that those kind words can mend and you are a part of what God is doing in healing? God is working through you to put back the broken pieces, to put them back together again. You heal too. 
But you can't do any of those things if you are not acquainted with the model. And he cast out demons. This one's a weird one. Let's just be honest. Like, like when's the last time you was walking around? Demon, get out of here. But the fact is, what you need to understand is the reality of what authority you have. Jesus tells us that we have authority. He tells us that we've actually got the authority to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all of the power of the enemy, and nothing by any means will harm us. When you're acquainted with Jesus, you walk around fearlessly because you actually understand what's backing you. You understand the power of God behind you, and you understand that there is no authority on earth in heaven or below greater than that which God has given to Jesus. And he says, in my name, I want you to cast out devils. Uh, please don't get weird on me, though, please. Don't go around to like your coworkers like, I cast a devil up out of you. You know, that's not, I'm not asking you for that. But what I am asking you to do, get in your prayer closet and go pray for that person who's persecuting you. Pray for the person who's spitefully using you. Pray for that person that did the thing that, in all honesty, if it were up to you, you, like, you, you might stab them. Uh, that's, mar- that's probably a little too far. I'm sorry. Um, I'll never forget being in college, and there was a guy who, 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 honestly, he and I didn't get along really well. And it was bothering me. And it was getting under my skin. I mean, to the point where, like, I was—I was, I couldn't talk regular thinking about him. I just, you know, I'm grit, I'm gritting my teeth. I'm tense. And at the point that I realized it was a problem, because I don't know, I, I'm grateful for—I'm grateful for parents that prayed for us. Something in me at the time, because of the fact that I was actually studying my Bible. And I wasn't super crazy about it or in depth. I just was doing one simple thing, and that was I was just making it a priority in my day. It was a priority for me every morning. It was a very simple, very practical thing. I just made time early in the morning, just right before I was going to class late, and I was reading my Bible. And here it was. I was in the Gospels, and I'm looking and listening to Jesus speak on how you handle your enemies. And I thought, what would happen if I just like spent one week just praying for this guy? And I did that. I said, God, I just, Lord, this is weird. I don't, um, I don't like him. I don't know why you made him. Um, I think you made a mistake. But you know what? You're good. I'm not. I get it. Um, so he's here. I assume because he is, there's something that you want for him. And because there's something that you want for him, not just for him to have, but God, I know that you've probably got something for him to do. So God, I'm just asking, would you just remove whatever obstacles are in his way? God, would you just, would you just help him to accomplish whatever it is that he has to do that he's not feeling the best about? Maybe he doesn't have the confidence, Lord. I just ask that you would give it to him. Heavenly Father, I, I just, I, I, I ask that, that, I ask that you would do it so that he would be understanding of who you are, that he would know you. And um, yeah, Lord, this is kind of a sacrifice because I really, I don't, I'd, I'd rather stab him, Lord, but I, I'm going to just, 
I'm going to try this thing that you're talking about. And before that week was up, I remember that that guy and I, we made a connection and the two of us actually ended up becoming great friends. And that great friendship allowed me to let him into a little bit of my life. And he got to experience a lot more of who God is and he experienced a lot more of God's love. And I'm just saying to you, you know, I think sometimes not knowing what other people are dealing with, we also don't realize that maybe what they're really dealing with is demons. Maybe what they're really dealing with is some kind, something like something that's, 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 that's just on the other side of our reality that's oppressing them. And you have no idea how powerful your prayers are. It says in the Bible, it says the effectual and fervent prayers of a righteous man availeth much. I don't know what any of those big words mean. I just think I feel like God is saying, if you pray, I'm going to do something. Just pray and ask me to intervene. Be audacious about it and believe that I might just do something because I'm going to do something. And he does. And every time we do that, what we end up doing is we actually end up, we end up kicking, kicking these demons we see and hear about in the scripture out of a person's realm. And we get that person to a place where honestly, and it's not even that it's us that it's doing it, it's God leading us by a spirit. But as that happens, really what you're doing is you are clearing space for God to work and to do what only he can do. You get to play that part. So your prayer has got to be audacious. The other thing I think that you can do in terms of Jesus being the model is Realizing Jesus' disposition. His disposition is one of compassion. It talks about the way that Jesus looked at people with compassion. And, and sometimes I wonder if we really understand what compassion is. I think sometimes we, can, we mistake compassion for empathy. See, empathy is when you feel what somebody else is feeling. You can not, well, it kind of is. There's sympathy, there's empathy. We're not here for an English lesson today. Just roll with me for a second. Here's the difference between the empathy and compassion. Compassion is when you start with empathy and that empathy grows and it swells to the place where you can no longer be still, but you have to move in the direction of the person to get them what they most need. That's compassion. How do I know that? Because I watch Jesus look at the people with compassion and say, hey, let's feed them. And his disciples are like, what are you talking about? There's 5,000 of them. We don't have enough food for them to eat. He says, what do you have? And he takes what they have and he multiplies it and then feeds the needy. Compassion is when we look at people and we say, oh, they don't have what they need. Hey, guys, let's go take care of them. And your team is like, yo, 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 how are we going to do that? Your family is like, hey, mom, dad, how are we going to do that? We don't have enough ourselves. And you say, hey, whatever we don't have, the Lord will provide. But here's the thing. He's given us the eyes to see that there's a need right there. So let's get on our knees and just start praying. And as you pray, God provides. And as he provides, you are generous and you go meet the need. You move with compassion. And compassion isn't always necessarily a physical thing. Sometimes it's really seeing the gift in somebody else. And when that somebody is doing something outside of the character of the gift that God has given them, do you actually have what it takes to go and confront that? 
because that's compassion and we see Jesus do that too do you have what it takes to say hey I just happened to see this thing that you were doing and I'm so sorry but I gotta I gotta share this with you I think if you keep doing that here's what you're forfeiting and it'd be so sad for you to forfeit that considering how great you are and how wonderfully you've been gifted I don't know you I don't know you that well I know enough to know the gift of God when I see it can we grab coffee I'd love to hear about what's going on in your life see that's compassion it's moving into the life of somebody else because you see the gift of God in them and you've got to do something about it you can't just sit still and Jesus did that for us time after time after time And as he did that, he thereby demonstrated his great love. Here's what I want to say to you today. I'm going to bring this thing to, the, to a close. I think sometimes to try to do the works of Jesus, it's intimidating. It can feel intimidating. But the fact is, if we really understand the relationship that we have, that we have access to, it's almost as if that intimidation dissipates. And what grows or swells in place of it is an audacity to ask God for the thing that we need to do the thing he's asking. And my thing is, it's going to take some chutzpah. It's going to take some faith to do what God's asking you to do. God's asking you to do a great work, a mighty work. He's asking you to do big things. And the reality is God needs you to get those things done because there's actually people that are connected to you that need you to have that audacity. And if we, if we drag our feet on having great faith to accomplish great works, what happens is we leave a lot of other people or we repel other people when really God has been trying to pull them in the whole time. This isn't just about you. This isn't just about what you need. This isn't just about like you, you're for and no more. This is literally about what God wants to do to redeem all that he's created, to bring all that he's created back into his care. And in order to do that, he needs some people who are going to be fired up, who are going to have the kind of gall and audacity to ask for the impossible. You got a big task on your hands because you got to do the same works that Jesus did. Those works are going to change the world around you. And so I am imploring you today. I'm asking you today to strengthen the relationship between you and your heavenly father strengthen the relationship with you and Jesus get into the places that Jesus is and see what Jesus does so that you can have a confidence to ask for the things that you need to carry out this tall order of the works that Jesus does the greater works I think what I can promise you this morning is that there's no more fulfilling life than the life of somebody who has full confidence that no matter what they see in front of them, 
no matter what it looks like, that the God that they serve is a God of more than enough. That he's not left us as orphans, but rather he's a good father to us, giving us the gifts that we need to be able to accomplish the purpose that he has for us. Can I pray for you? If you would bow your heads, Heavenly Father, we just come to you right now in the name of Jesus and Lord God. Honestly, we're so grateful for who you are. Can we be really honest, Heavenly Father? You're asking us to do some pretty big stuff. And Lord, I don't know. We don't know. Sometimes it doesn't look like we have what we need to do those things you're asking for. But Heavenly Father, we do recognize that it's really not just about us, Heavenly Father. God, we do recognize We recognize, Heavenly Father, that us doing these works extends far beyond ourselves, Lord God, and reaches into the lives of people that we don't even know. And it'll bring them closer to you. So God, let us not be weary. Let us not be ignorant. Let us not be timid, Heavenly Father, but rather help us to be as bold as lions, Lord God. Give us a boldness today and let that boldness come from time with you. I just ask that you would impress it on our hearts, Heavenly Father, to prioritize you every day. God, help us to prioritize your presence. God, give us eyes to see and give us ears to hear, Lord God that we would speak your language of love that would draw people to you. God, give us courage, Heavenly Father, for this journey that you have us on. And let us not fall back from doing the greater works, Heavenly Father. And everywhere that our foot treads, Heavenly Father, let whatever it is that stands in opposition to you, let it flee, God. Holy Spirit, I just ask you right now to check our hearts, Lord, for those areas that you've spoken to us about once before, but Heavenly Father, because we've put it off, we've kind of become calloused and numb to it. Holy Spirit, let us become sensitive to your voice again. Let us become sensitive to your word. Let us become sensitive to what you desire. Give us the courage to ask for the impossible. That God, you would be glorified. That the world would know that you are the one true God. We love you. We bless your name. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Thank you for listening today. If you have a prayer request, a question about faith, or would like to find out more information on Connect Community, visit us at connectcommunity.org. Don't forget to subscribe and share. See you next time.